we have so many things to do today. I just uh, want to teach us because we are in the series of prosperity, prosperity teaching. We are in the series. I think um, last week, Pastor Billy started off last week. And uh, throughout this month, we are going to be teaching prosperity. I think you know that prosperity is a familiar message, isn't it? Yeah? Let, me, let the church answer me, isn't it? It's so familiar that uh, people don't want to hear another thing because they like uh, to prosper. But then, many times, we are missing the message. Many times, the pastors say what God did not say. Many times, the pastors teach what God did not teach. So, the children of God are off with so many um, distortions of this glorious message. Some thought, yes, God wants to give me millions of naira. I must be a millionaire. That is the conception of many people. That God is talking about prosperity because he wants to make me a millionaire. Some people thought I would just enter some big bank. Things will start rolling. That's God's intention for me. Well, that's another version. That's another conception. But see, most of what people say are not scriptural. Yes, it is God's will for his children to prosper. Prospering in three worlds. Prospering physically, prospering financial of material-wise, and also prospering spiritually. That's why the Bible says, God says, it is the will of God that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prosperity. You know that there are three types of prosperity. One is spiritual, one is physical, and one is material or financial. And that is the prosperity Jesus, God, handed over to the church. It's not just financial or material. No. It's not just physical. No. It is not just spiritual, no. It is the I mean, the coming together of the three types of prosperity. The financial prosperity, the physical prosperity, and also the spiritual prosperity. What is the benefit of someone who has a lot of money but is not saved? Huh? With all his money, he will still go to hell. What is the benefit? Somebody who has all money but is sick, always getting sick, using the money to serve sickness. And many people are in that stage today. They use their money 
to such sickness. They never enjoy their body. And yet, they are multimillionaires. What's the benefit of that? So, it means in God, in God, prosperity must be threefold. Prosperity must be spiritual. Prosperity must be physical. And prosperity must be financial. What is the benefit of a Christian too who is holy, who is righteous, but is begging for money? Would the begging for money glorify God? Huh? You say you have God and you are begging. What's the benefit? So the Christian must have the three prosperity in his life too. He must be able to show that his God is able. And his God is the one that blesses. And his God is the one that enriches. After all, when you go to the Bible, you see the examples of people whom God has blessed. And when God blesses them, he blesses them totally. He blesses them spiritually, blesses them physically, and blesses them materially. I never read in the Bible that Abraham was sick. And the reason I did not read that is because he enjoys divine health. Divine health is greater than divine healing. I don't pray for divine healing. I pray for divine health. For you to live without sickness or disease. Abraham did that. He didn't know God as a healer because it wasn't necessary. He knew God as Jehovah Jireh, as El Shaddai, the God that provides. That's the revelation of God Abraham had. He didn't know God as a healer because he wasn't sick. If he had been sick, he would have known God as a healer. But because he enjoyed divine health, divine health is the physical prosperity. And most saints in the Bible enjoy divine health. How beautiful it is for you to stay without sickness or disease. Very fantastic. Amen. Praise God. So, and that's God's way for us. So this morning, I want to speak on what I call Christian stewardship and prosperity. Christian stewardship and prosperity. There is a connection between Christian stewardship and prosperity. The Christian stewardship and prosperity are so closely related and they fuse into each other. Amen. And I want to read from the book of Psalm 35, 27, 28. Psalm 35, 27, 28. Psalm 35, 27, 28. And please be reading your Bible, because here we are all Bible, Bible, Bible. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Please, the Bible teaching. <clears throat> Let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause? And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? And my tongue shall speak 
of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. That is Psalm 35. And let me see what Isaiah 52 7 says. Isaiah 52 7. How beautiful. Upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices, they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Amen. <clears throat> now, if you look at the scriptures I've just read, you see that God connected our service to prosperity. God will not bring prosperity without your service to him. God will not make you rich physically. If there is no commitment to God in his vineyard or in his kingdom. And I think that is where the so-called prosperity pastors mix it. They promise people El Dorado. They promise people, claim it, you will get it. They promise people so many things, but it's not happening. And they keep wondering why it is not happening. And you are seeing in this scripture that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Hallelujah. But his servants must do one thing. They must favor his righteous cause. And what is the righteous cause of the Lord? The gospel. The gospel. And that's what you see in Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. That's the gospel. Their feet are beautified because they bring the gospel. The gospel is the glad tidings. The gospel is the righteous cause of the Lord. And so, if the righteous is enjoying physical prosperity and spiritual prosperity, the righteous also must enjoy the financial and the They are favoring his cause. They are in support of his cause. And so, the impression that the preachers have given the church and have given the Christians that don't worry, you are going to prosper. You are going to do this. You are going to have millions of dollars. It's not working because the Christians have not been taught that they must be committed to the righteous cause of the Lord. Hallelujah. They must be committed to the church. They must be committed to the expansion of the gospel. 
they must be committed to the things God is committing, I mean, committed with. Listen, all the businesses in the world, name it oil and gas, name it computer, name it, and God has no business with them. The only way he has business with them is if those people are releasing those money to favor his righteous cause, the gospel. The only business God has in this world is the gospel. The gospel of his son. He has no other business. And so what he does is that those people, regardless of the business you are doing, regardless of the sector you belong to, and there are so many sectors of business, so far, you are releasing money from that sector to finance the gospel. That's why you are relevant. If you don't, you are not relevant for him. And so, the Bible says, God is still the head of all principalities and powers. God is still directing the affairs of this world as the saints want him to be. If the saints are poor, if the churches are begging today, it is their own fault, not the fault of God. Hallelujah. If the Christians are poor, it is their own fault, not God's fault. Because the Bible says that God has put silver and gold on thousands of hills. I don't know what you are reading on the internet. I don't know what you are reading in social media. I know what I'm reading there. I'm reading about discoveries. I'm reading about the news. I'm reading about what is happening in the world. You know, amazingly, virtually every country in Africa today has oil. They've discovered oil in every country in Africa. Those countries you don't think have oil, they've discovered oil there. Countries like Ghana, like Uganda, like Kenya, they are now having oil. Have you ever heard of that? Recently, I was also told that the gold deposit that Uganda has right now, the gold deposit is more than 30 trillion tons. Uganda. Recently, they discovered oil there. And now they are discovering gold there. Do you know that gold has become nothing in Nigeria today? Are you hearing the news? Virtually every state is having gold deposits. The Bible says he kept those things there. And he wanted to discover them for one reason. Because his righteous cause, the gospel, was moving on. And have you ever had a teaching? Maybe you don't have a teaching. One time when we have a conference, I will bring this teaching out. There is what we call the seven mountains of culture. The seven mountains of relevance, of culture, that God wants Christians to occupy in these last days. They are scriptural. They are there. When we have a conference, I will bring it out and start teaching it. That these seven mountains of culture have been occupied by unbelievers, by sinners, by occultists for so many years. God wants to put his sons and daughters on those seven mountains of culture. If they are ready. What do I say? If they are ready. 
And many are not ready. Many are not ready because they don't favor the righteous cause of God. They don't favor the gospel. When I got saved, when I got born again in the 70s, back in the 70s, if you say you want to be a pastor, people will run away from you. You know why? Because they believe that pastors are poor and they are suffering. Back in the 70s, nobody wants his children to be pastors. Nobody wants his children to have anything to do with church. Because they feel that the dregs of mankind are pastors and evangelists. They want to build church. The church was so poor in Nigeria in those days that if you have a civil servant in your church or a teacher in your church, oh my God, you are broken through. But today, everybody wants to be a pastor. It is a very, very common. People want to identify with pastors. People want to be called pastor so, pastor this, so, so, so. And they have even changed prophet this, prophet that. And they have changed more apostle this, apostle that, apostle Jacob, apostle all this. It's fanciful now. It wasn't fanciful then. Nobody wants to identify with us. But now everybody wants to be a pastor. In fact, if you don't call some young people pastor, they are annoying with you. Go and test it. If you know you have some friends, you know you young people, you have some friends outside this. Ah, how are you, my brother? How are you? How are you? Bernard, how are you? And you call uh, uh, the man name, Bernard. And you didn't put pastor there. Ah, you've offended him. But it wasn't like that in our own time. It wasn't. Nobody wants to give his daughter to a pastor. No. Because pastoring is identified with poverty. Struggle. Because the people who are doing it, we could see their life. That they struggle all throughout. I know some young people today who are children of pastors. Ask them. They will tell you they don't want to have anything to do with that thing. Children of pastors. They will tell you that they have seen poverty, strugglings of their parents. And they don't want to identify with it. It's happening everywhere. Children of pastors don't want to be Identify with God's work. Shameful. But it's happening. Ask them, they say, well, my father and my mother, they were in such stuff, I don't want to be part of those such stuff. It's shameful. But let me tell you something. God is saying today that if anyone favor his righteous cause, he will prosper. Materially, he will prosper. God has proved it on and on and on and on. Amen. There are millionaire preachers all over the world, isn't it? Yeah? But you, so you know something. Where they deceive people, 
especially in this part of the world, is that they don't tell you what you must do. A pastor will come up and give a fantastic testimony. He won't tell you how he arrived at that testimony. Will he? Oh, no. And you young people, you are so crazy. Ah, see my pastor? I just bought a, a new, you know, a new vessel. You know, it's supersonic. It's this, it's that. He bought that vessel for 20 million. He starts saying it. Because the man has come to his pulpit to brag. Hallelujah. He will never tell you how he arrived at that. But how we must prosper is very plain in the Bible. The Bible says that we must favor his righteous cause. We must favor what God is doing. We must favor his church. We must favor, let me tell you, we must be committed to his choice, to his things, to his gospel here and there. That is the only reason why he will release his blessings upon us. Let me tell you something. When I talk about Christian stewardship, I'm just talking about some of those things that God wants Christians to do as they enter his kingdom. Some of those responsibilities and duty of a Christian believer as this believer enter the church. You have responsibility as you enter the church. Amen? You have work to do as you enter the church. When God saves a man, he saves a man to serve. To serve him. When God saves you, he saves you so that you can bring others to him. You can serve him. You can bring others to him. You can tell the good news. The glad tidings. The Bible says your feet will be beautiful when you do that. In Isaiah. When you start telling people about Christ, inviting them to come to church, God will be beautifying your feet. And you know what that means? Eh? It means that finances will not be your problem. Amen? It means that prosperity will not be your problem. When your feet is beautified. God wants to beautify our feet. Even as we favor his righteous cause. His gospel. There is nobody that favors this gospel. That God will disappoint. There is nobody that will favor this gospel. And God will allow the person to be hungry. Haven't seen it. I've not seen it. The Bible says, I've not seen his children begging bread. Hallelujah. 
have not seen the children of God, true children of God, bringing a back bowl out before they could eat. No, I have not seen it. God will be there right for you. Why? Because you are only interesting, interested in the kingdom of God. This Christianity worship is what some people are broken down into pieces today. Some call it prosperity. Some call it success. Some call it we have tithing in it. We have offering in it. So many, many names. But everything is summed up as Christian stewardship. What God expects you to do or to be doing as you gave your life to him. They are just your responsibilities. They are not something that you flog. These days, they flog people to pay tithe. It's laughable. It's not interesting. A Christian who is born again needs to pay tithe. Nobody taught me to pay tithe. It's not, it's not the noise that pastor was making in the church. No, I knew I must pay tithe. And I started paying tithe when I was not working. I didn't have any job, but I had people money coming to my hand. Some people say, I will start paying tithe until I, when I start working, I'll pay. It's a lie. You are dodging. <laughs> you are trying to dodge. Tithe is out of the money, the wages that come to your hands, whether you are employed or you are not employed. Gifts that come to your hand, you pay your tithe out of it. Some people say that they will have to compile it when it's so big to pay. If you don't pay the tithe of 10 naira, you will never pay the tithe of 100,000. Amen. The spirit that prevents you from paying tithe of 10 naira will prevent you from paying tithe of 10,000. We also prevent you to pay the tithe of 100,000. The same spirit. And paying tithe is a warfare. Warfare between poverty and God's blessing. Anytime you pay your tithe, you are fighting a war. And the Bible says, blessed is God that who caused my hand to make war and my fingers to fight. Virtually everything in this world will tell you not to pay that tithe. And the devil rejoices at that. And when you now miss it, he says, yes, I've caught him. Amen, somebody. Amen. <coughs> <coughs> are many will now be coming to pastor for prayer because of the problems they are facing. It's not the pastor's fault. The fault is your obedience. Hallelujah. Years ago, I used to have a businessman who supports my ministry. This man is into computer or whatever. You know, in those days, you know. He was so faithful that because he doesn't want to be calculating, he said, Pastor, 
I want to pay a tithe of 10 months. I will write it for you in check because I might forget. So please come and collect the check. And I will go from this area to Lagos. In those days, it was tough. But when he gives me all those tithe in checks, oh, I will just go to Mama Put in Lagos Island. I will first satisfy myself in Mama Put, please. I say, what? God, you thank me. I thank you. He will give me all the checks month by month. He said, I don't want to forget. Before I could talk to him to start paying tithe, it was a warfare, and it was a redeemed elder. He attends redeems and elder there. His wife is one of the top notch of banking in this Lagos. His wife. When I started telling him about the evils of not paying tithing, one day he took me, he invited me to a location. He said, Pastor, uh, we have some social get can, can you come? Somebody was doing something, I forgot him. Now I was there, I sat with him, I ate, we started talking. He said, But Pastor, what you are telling me? What you are he's a businessman. He said, What you are telling me? It is true, I have not been doing it. I've not been doing it. I said, try, start doing it. And when he started doing it, testimony started coming. He said, I'm not indebted anymore. No, Pastor, thank you. I'm not indebted because I've not been regular. But he's been a Christian all the way. Somebody was contending with Pastor Adeboe on the social media today. As Aboye said in the video that anybody who do not pay tithe will go to hell. Amen. Amen. Everybody started attacking Pastor Adebu. Why should you say that? Why is right in the midst of sermon? Why is right in so, 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 so? So a pastor asked me, he said, what do that Pastor Adebu was doing? Is it true? I said, absolutely true. Then I said, for the, the, I said, no problem. Ah, you said it's absolutely true that it won't go to heaven. I said, because when you don't pay tithe, you are disobedient. And no disobedient person will enter heaven. That's in that context. Pastor Adebu said that in that context. He said, ah. Eh. He said, <laughs> he said, you know, he thought I would support him, but I didn't support him. I said, well, the man knows what he's doing. He's been paying tight all his life. And I've been paying tight all my life. When I was a teacher in those days, I go to the bank once in a month. Because in those days, you know, Baba, did that time. My salary was 8,000 8, in a month. Some of you young people, when we say these things, you don't believe us. But it's the same Nigeria that we are in. As a graduate teacher, I will go there. I will collect 8000 Once in a month, I go to the bank to collect my salary. And out of that salary, I will pay 800 tithe, isn't it? Yeah? When I pay the tithe, then I will also send something to my mother. And I will also give people some things out of 8,000. But amazingly, God will take me throughout that month. 
and I don't know how he does it. All I just knew is that he will take me to Abaya. There is a pastor who we are pastoring here. He's for, he used to pay his side to me. You know, he's part of our Bible school. He used to pay his side to me. So for about a few months ago, he's not paid his side. And I didn't ask him. So he now called me about some about two weeks ago or so. Last week. He said, Daddy. I said, Yes. Can I get, uh, it, it's been tough, you know, this uh, loan that I, I got, I couldn't pay back. I am doing a deficit every month because I couldn't pay this loan. Daddy, pray for me. You know, I said he has not paid the tithe for two months to me, and I didn't ask him. He said, Daddy, pray for me. I said, okay, I will pray. Me, I knew what he was saying. He wanted me to send money to him. He's just saying prayer. Me, I sense in my spirit that this guy is asking for money. He said because the loan is tied with children too. Uh, it's one or two days they are not in school. You know, I don't know what is happening. Then I said, you know what is happening. I am not the one who is going to tell you what is happening, but you know what is happening. I said, this job you're going to take, what did I tell you about it? Don't take it. You've been a pastor a while, so you went. I said, don't take time from me. God will write off this debt if you obey him. When he took the job, I said, you are going to come out of this job with crisis. And I mean it. Since that time, he has not been balanced. So I sent the money to him anyhow. After sending the money to him, two days after, he said, Daddy, can I get a loan of 50000 from you so that uh, when I collect a salary, I will repay the loan? I thought to myself, I, I told my dad, I said, this, this young man is using drink. You cannot pay tight. I will now loan you. Will you pay the loan? Yeah? Honestly, if I had enough money in my hand, I would send it, send him something. You know, I consider it as a child. But I told you from the onset, you are in your 50s. You have about four or five children. Eh? That thing has dabbled you from the beginning. Because many of us, we don't love ourselves. What do I say? At the time, when I started family, <coughs> it is very easy for them, for people to have more than four children. It's happening. But now, young people are even not balanced. To eat is a problem. And you started having four children at this time. You know, the, the equation cannot balance. Eh? If these children are babies, no problem. Will they not go to primary school, secondary school? Will they not enter university? Then you know you are talking. How many young people want to marry now? 
Most of the time, it is the ladies that want to marry, not the men. Because the men, they are struggling. When are they going to balance up? At 30, you are still struggling. Amen? <laughs> Is it inside that struggling you make a family? But the ladies are ready to marry at any time. You understand? That's the situation. So we have to talk to these men to get married. Talk to them. Don't worry. Believe God. This is what we are doing now. Talking to them to get married. Because if they, if they don't do that, time is going too. They have to do something by faith. What do I say? You marry by faith. And when you marry by faith, God will take over from there. But if you are just going to be looking at your salary account, you will never get married. When are you going to get balance? You get house, you pay rent and all that. But you do things by faith. Amen. <coughs> the same thing, giving to God. Giving to God shouldn't be preached. If you believe what Christian worship is, you nobody to flog you to give to God. You know you have to give to God. Let me tell you something. God used to bring people around ministries and churches who will sponsor that ministry and churches. And as they begin to sponsor things in that church and ministry, he will be blessing them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Eh? That's what he does. As you begin to favor the righteous cause in those ministries and churches, pay your tithe, give offering, you talk about the project, you put your hand, take away your crusade, you put your hand. When you start doing that, it's seen the anointing of that ministry will work for you. Amen. Scam. You can't scam God. Eh? Some people, they will attend Naibiji in a church. Attend Sunday service in another church. Attend special program in another church. Attend marriage seminar in another church. When they go all around like that, they will never be committed to a church. There is a reason why you have a shepherd and sheep. You cannot be sheep or lamb of many people. You have to be a sheep or lamb or one person. Are you hearing me? You are just keeping quiet as if you don't understand me. You see, there are so many shepherds. And God puts sheep under the shepherds. You cannot be a sheep or a goat or, or, or a lamb of ten shepherds. Ten shepherds cannot attend to you. You'll be confused. Amen, somebody. So you identify the shepherd. You identify yourself as a sheep. And as you decide, it's not by power. You may leave a church and say, I, I'm not, I don't want to fellowship in this church. I'm not getting what I should in this church. I'm crossing to this church. The moment you are in that church, you committed. Amen. What do I say? If you're not committed, the anointing of that ministry cannot work for you. 
it will work for those who are in that ministry, who are day and night in that ministry. If you turn yourself to rolling stone that gathered no dust, yes, a rolling stone don't gather dust, it will never gather dust. Amen. In those days when, what's the name of this pastor program? Holy Ghost service. Was very powerful. Everybody goes there. Some people will leave Holy Ghost service. They are coming to MFM. You know, it's the same road. When they are leaving Holy Ghost service, they go to MFM. Amen. They keep on going like that. Keep on going. Ah! How I must change an MFM, I must not miss. Holy Ghost service, I must not miss. Sit down and quantify your spiritual life in that month. Quantify your miracles or those things you are looking for in that month. Was it working? What do I say? Are you receiving anything? And I remember Pastor Adobe would be telling them, please, let it be day. Let there be dawn before you leave, before, because of this arm robber. I know you are still going to power must change hand in MFM. The old man will be saying it because he knows that's what they are doing. And what a breakthrough service. You know, they are still going to that place. And all these things, they don't sit down and quantify. I used to tell people that my anointing cannot work for those who are not under me day and night. No. Because I keep on laying hands on you. I keep on praying for you. I keep on laying hands on you. God keep on speaking to me about you, what you should do. And I keep on following it and giving you advices and counsel. That is what will make you to break through. Hallelujah. It's a consistency, right? Amen? Amen. It is not abracadabra. It is not magic. No, it's not magic. It is the fact that you are under an anointing. You are under an atmosphere. You are under a cloud. And that cloud must work for you. We had this outreach program. When? The last time we had. Why Jesus? Amen. I can't hear you in this morning. Yeah. I was so finished speaking. I can't hear you in there. Listen. We had this outreach program. See, some of you, what you saw that, you have not seen anything yet. You have not seen anything yet concerning my ministry. Some people will be afraid when they see me in my true full form. But you just see a deep, a tip. And I told your pastor, be doing this program regularly. Amen. So that people can be blessed. You see? Some of those things you see in my crusade, it happens. In the B crusade, it happens. You have not seen anything. But then, some people get enthusiastic. Oh, this is, uh, let me be part of this. 
you are going to be part of the when you are bike. Amen? When you are not a rolling stone that gather in insects. That's why some of the spiritual gathering, I used to ask a few from pastor, did you hear? Cooper was not here last week. Amen. And I asked pastor, did you hear from Yeah, I didn't hear from Cooper. I'm yet to hear from Cooper. Why? Because God told me that you need to separate time to wait upon him. Are you hearing me? Eh? God wants to speak to you through prayer. And if you don't have time for God, you won't have time for you. He wants to pull out time for you. So separate yourself and pray. And let God seek, I mean, speak to you. And hear from you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. There is no abracadabra about this place. About anointing. I'm not a magician. Do you think I'm a magician? I am not. What the Bible provides is what I do. Some pastors from churches, they used to say you should bring sponge and soap. Eh? For deliverance. It's full Lagos City. The day I asked you to bring sponge and soap here, know that I vaccinated it. Because I will never say that. I will never say that. Some Pentecostal pastors are even asking people to bring candles and orange. I've sat in services. I was invited there to speak. A prophet was before me. They said he should do his prophetic thing before I start speaking. And I was there. And this prophet started displaying his signs and wonders, in quote. And I saw some group of oranges before me. I don't know what it's for, but I just saw it there. And the pastor, the, the prophet, now said, hey, praise God, praise God, that uh, this is the covenant that God gave him. Anytime he wants to minister anywhere, he will ask people to buy oranges. And when you buy the oranges, when he wants to pray for you, he ask you to count the number of seeds in that orange. And that number of seeds represent the size of your breakthrough. And he was saying it. The man who invited me is my brother. I mean, we are from the same place. And he wanted me to preach and raise funds for him. So when the prophet started this Zimbaotic abracadabra, I gave what I had in mind to give that my brother who is a pastor, I gave it to him. The envelope, I, I gave it to him. But I took my leave quietly and my Bible I left. Praise God. So most of these things are deceived. Sponge and soap are deceived. They are deceiving people. I used to have a friend who he asked people to bring anointing oil. And he said he wants to pray on the anointing oil. And he will pray on the anointing oil and put your name 
on the anointing oil. So when you come to collect the anointing oil, it's 5,000 naira. Many years ago. I was the one who, he came from England. He spent years in England. So when he entered ministry, I was the one who had to bring him up. But when people started telling me that this is what he's doing, I told them I didn't teach him that to me. I didn't teach him that to. If he's doing that, I tell the students of Bible school here, when I teach you, I graduate you. I know what I teach you. If you have now become another TBJTR later, I will say I don't know you because you attended my Bible school and this is what I taught you. If you live here, go and become another TBJ to another prophet somewhere. Mm, I didn't teach you that. And I will stand by what I say. So when people came to me and said, look at this, your man, this is what you I didn't teach him that. He wants money. 5,000 in 20 places. Do you know how much it was then? Eh? I used to have an assistant in this ministry before I discharged him. When he collects his salary from me, eh, he will go and use his salary to buy anointing oil. He will take it to the mountain top, to his so-called prophet in the mountain top, to, to pray on it. I didn't know this until later. And he will start selling it. After the prophet has finished, he will say, well, me, I pay him his salary. After I pay him his salary, I don't know what he's doing. And I will never own up to what I don't know. Praise God. I'm closing now. <coughs> you see, God will never be committed to you if you are not committed to him. Let me repeat. God will never be committed to you if you are not committed to him. The scripture says, draw nigh unto God. And God will do what? Draw nigh unto you. Who first does the drawing? It's you. It's you. Not God. So, when you now draw nigh unto him, then he will now draw nigh unto you. Many times, we miss God because we did not provide the space to draw nigh unto him. If you don't draw nigh unto him, he won't speak to you. You will hear his voice. I tell you, in the past, there are some times when I fail to wait on God. And I travel outside the country. And when I get to where I'm going, he will start speaking to me. Then I asked him, why didn't you tell me this in Nigeria? He said, because we didn't provide space to listen to me. Can you imagine that? He will take me out of Nigeria. He will start saying the same thing. I should have had him here. But I was too busy for him. And because I was too busy for him, he too cannot speak to me. So he would take me outside Nigeria for him to speak to me. 
And I will be questioning, why didn't you tell me this when I was in school? He said, because you are too busy for me. And I cannot tell you when you are not there. God will only be committed to us in this prosperity thing if we are committed to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. My own is to teach you. And when I teach you, you receive from God the instruction. And you act on it. I was telling somebody in the midst of you, I said, look, me, I am not a Kerubiri prophet. I am not a seller prophet. I am not a diviner. You know, you go to some prophet, they say, go and read Psalms into water and drink it. Those people are no prophet. They are diviner. We call them diviners. They are not prophets. And some people believe so much in them. They say, when I read the Psalms into the prophet or to the water and I drink it, something happens. Ah, you will never be free from the hand of such man. He has enslaved you. And you go to select prophets and all these prophets. You enter their circle. Their familiar spirit encircle you. So when they ask for a chicken, give them a chicken. You say your problem has been solved. Amen. Amen. When they didn't see you in the church, they send their withdrawing spirit back to you to bring the problem back to you. And you come to the church. And when you come to the church, the next thing is that they ask you to bring a goat. And you now bring the goat. Ah, you say the prophet problem is solved. Thank you. You didn't come to him again. What is he going to ask next? A cow. You see? You are in entire because just because you can't do one thing, you can't read your Bible. You can't get closer to God. You can't read your Bible. That's all. Because you are so lazy. To move there to God. And that is happening. You are rip up. You know this consultation thing. Anybody that starts it. You can't leave it. Hmm? I, don't, I have some brothers who, who like this consultation thing. They are still in me today. And I used to ask them. Okay. Since you have been consulting. Where is the breakthrough? You are not enjoying breakthrough, but break pocket. Your pocket is being broken into. See? Not breakthrough, but break pocket. And you still believe you, when you consult this, 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 this thing, they are not the beauty of the prophet. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see? Put your hand upon your chest. There is no problem. Eh? 
You see, this, my sister, when you attend the last program, I know this will happen. Because the presence of God was on this on our body, but I was here. You understand? I know it will happen. So, God was delivering her. But there was no time. And therefore, those programs, I don't like boring people with those programs. So, I, I don't like because people have this impression is abracadabra, abracadabra. Take you. You, you get It's not so. The Holy Spirit cannot be pushed. Cannot be commanded. Is God. Amen. Amen. I've given some of them words that God gave me to them. But I tell them, go back to those words and read it there. I am not a terrible prophet. When I say something, it will come to pass. I know the God that I hear from him directly. And any prophecy in the Bible we have a condition. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will not happen. That's prophetic ministry. It's not for you to be saying regardless of what you do, things will happen. It's not so. Praise God. It's not so in deceit. Amen. Deceit. Praise God. I'm not going to deceive people. I'm going to teach you. Don't deceive people. I will teach you. I will tell you, this is it. So when you go to some churches, they are giving the impression that it's abracadabra. God's miracle is not abracadabra. God's miracle requires obedience. And when that obedience is full, we see God moving. Do you know that Jesus himself learned obedience through what he suffered? Didn't you read the Bible? He himself learned obedience through what he suffered. So if Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, what about you? I'm going to close by saying the pressure on young people today is great. They are being bombarded by pressures here and here and right and right because people are giving them the impression they must be this, they must be that. And young people are under pressure more than our own time. You know, those who are elders, more than our own time. The pressure is because of the advent of the internet. So you had lots of information being given to you that is not even right. So if it is not working, they have designed everything on the way. If it is not working, you keep on searching. Now one day, somebody will come to you and introduce you to a court. If you enter into us, this is what is going to happen. Eh? 
is a lie. What do I say? Is a lie. If you join somebody to enter a court, that person is your master. The person who introduced you is your master. And that person will determine when you are going to die. In that court, he will have told them. They say he should bring somebody as boss to person. When you are going to die, they will tell him. So be wise. So when you say people should come to church, you invite people to church. Keep on inviting them. You know why you are doing so? For them to escape. Escape the world and its attack. Keep on inviting them to church so that they will hear God's word and they will not be oppressed. They will not be sacrificed. All these people Somebody say, who do you support? I don't support anybody. Can never support anybody. Because I know them. They have ruined the life of the youth. And it must stop. Today, God wants to prosper you. But there are rules. You must favor his righteousness. Favor the gospel. Support the gospel. Support the things of the church. Let's rise up.